Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Black and teal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. Duval, welcome to the 63rd episode of the Gin Jack Podcast. I'm fired up today. We have a just an insanely busy week in terms of Jaguars news already, and we're getting into the combine. Welcome to the Gin Jack Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Scott Klein, and we've got Hunter Evans here with us this week as well. Our other co-host, who uh, was out last week, unfortunately, yes, it was, and who we weren't able to see the week before because we all took a one-week hiatus. So it's been a little it's, while. It's been two weeks, a long time. But we're happy to all be here today. We've got a packed show for you. Lots of fun stuff to get into. Like I said before, uh, you can follow Scott Klein on Twitter at Scott Klein One. Follow Hunter Evans at Coach H underscore Evans. I like how Hunter tries to cough while Scott's Twitter handle's being uh, sorry <laughs> being brought up there. That's yeah, got a little scratch in the throat. Uh huh. Sure you do. <laughs> so, like I said, we got a packed show today. This show, as is every episode, brought to you by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jack Podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery, and uh, they've got. Several very fantastic beers for us here today. We're going to have a pop-top beer in the middle of the show, so make sure to stay tuned for that. A brand new beer from Bold City Brewery. And uh, we've also got some Killer Whale, one of the classics, and uh, Mad Manatee, another one of the classics. And we're able to enjoy a little bit of 1901. The 1901 cans were released for the first time last week. 
They're going to be all over town so and uh, grocery stores, <clears throat> gas stations, etc. in the coming weeks. So that's really exciting. And uh, we're pumped to be able to continue to drink that and now drink it out of a can. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, Hunter is the biggest fan of 1901 Red Ale on the show, and we had it last week. We had, like, the exclusive release of the the uh, cans, and Hunter couldn't make it. It hurt. But he was able to have one a day. We had a leftover for him. We saved for him in the fridge there. So he's good to go. Uh, make sure to follow us, if you can, on SoundCloud. <clears throat> Rate us, if you can, on iTunes. Those ratings on iTunes mean a lot for the show. We would really appreciate that. Without further ado, let's get straight into this. We've got a lot to cover. Blake Bortles gets extended. The football triumvirate gets extended. If you don't know what that is, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, uh, Dave Caldwell. Chris Ivory cut by the Jaguars. Allen Robinson has a contract situation. Aaron Colvin has a contract situation. Marquise Lee has a contract situation. Um, Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone both spoke at the Combine today. We'll get into that a little bit. Speaking of the Combine, it's Combine week. Yeah. The draft is rapidly and approaching. Free agency is rapidly approaching. We're going to take a look at the Jaguars' top needs heading into the Combine. And also five players from each of us to watch at the Combine. Uh, I'm really excited about my five guys. I know Scott is too. And Hunter, Hunter's got some interesting guys to talk about as well. Yeah, I feel like I just kind of had to pull them out of a hat a little bit. Late notice, but... Well, I did text you about it this well, morning. <laughs> I didn't know how it was coming. You know, I still, I'm sure my wife's not happy that I'm here, but <laughs> but you're happy that you're here. Like, That's oh, all that matters. I have beer, and I have beer. <laughs> you know, it's a good day. I'm I'm, I'm ex- very excited. I have Scott. Hey, <laughs> how are you guys? Oh. <laughs> That's right. So seems like we're all in very good moods today. It's hump day. Why not? Hump day. Pod day. Sure is. Now, let's go ahead and start off with what I think is the biggest news. Blake Bortles getting a contract <clears throat> extension. Three years, $54 million, $66 million with incentives, if he hits all his uh, goals there that they've set for him. And, uh, you know, there's an out, of course, after two years, like there always is with all Jaguars contracts. Yeah. But the big news here is that Blake Bortles will be the quarterback in 2018. And he will not cost the Jaguars $19 million in cap space that he was going to if he would have uh, continued on with his fifth-year option. Instead, the Jaguars redid his deal, got him a three-year contract, $54 million. Good for him. Better for the Jaguars because the Jaguars, he's only going to cost them $10 million this year. Only $10 million. That's crazy. For a starting quarterback in the NFL? No, I know. I know. It's it's a For a guy that a week ago was supposed to make $19 million, and now he's down to $10 million in terms of your uh, salary cap? It it just, it it just, it's it's so funny to me how big the NFL has become to where, oh, just $10 million. That's a deal. That's a discount. Mike Lennon got $16 million. No, I know. I agree with you. (laughs) But. It's just, it's crazy how big this league is. It's funny money. I mean, it is. But, you know, when I say only $10 million, I'm not trying to make light of that. In terms of the NFL, that is nothing for a starting quarterback. Uh, It's awesome for the Jaguars. It's awesome for Blake Bortles because he wanted to stay here. He made that clear before getting the contract done. He made it clear after getting the contract done. Blake Bortles is a Jacksonville guy. He's from Oviedo, which is only a couple hours down the road. 
He really just embodies Jacksonville, you know? He's a beach guy. He likes to keep it chill, likes to drink at the beach bars a little bit. Uh, you know, there's really a little bit of Blake Bortles in all of us. Let's be honest. <laughs> there is. He is so Jacksonville. Yeah. And I've always loved the guy. Not always loved what he's done on the field. Yeah. But um, for $10 million, another year, you're clearing up cap space to go sign Allen Robin, to go s- Robinson, to go sign Aaron Coleman. Uh, and, you know, potentially sign some other good players as well. Uh, where do you guys stand on the entire Blake Bortles contract situation? Well, we know where Hunter stands, so I'm going to go ahead and butt in front of him real well, quick. Well, maybe for those who don't know, where does Hunter stand? I, I love it. I mean, why would you not love it? Yes. It makes no sense. And I'm, like, you because you want a different quarterback. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, but I feel like if, if you don't like this deal, it's because you're so stuck in your ways and you already have such a deep-seated hatred of Blake Bortles as the quarterback that nothing's going to change your mind. We could have got him for a nickel. And you're still going to hate the deal because he's right. the quarterback. Right. And that was honestly my gut reaction but was just, the, the thing that, like, you almost have to backtrack. Before the season started, 99% of the Jaguars fans would have said, Blake, please just cut your interceptions down a little bit. Play a little more, yeah. you know, safe. No more pick sixes. Just don't lose us the game. Right. Right, but then it gets through the year, and it's like, oh, Blake. expectations. But change. that's that's fine for a three-win team. But it's such a drastic change to be like, oh, well, let's cut him now because he didn't win us a game. Compared to what? That's why it gets frustrating. And then they sign him to a great deal where Blake came out and said, "I was willing to take less money than the 19 million because now it frees up space. I want Allen Robinson. Yeah. I want people here. I want us to be successful." And I'm trying to stay here. Like I like the city. Like why would you not want that as your quarterback? Yeah, he's because you want a more accurate throw of the football. For the now that where he's only going to be costing whatever ten million next year for the extra what? I mean, think about the money they would. There would have been tr- almost three times as much guaranteed money. I mean, in, uh, probably uh, exactly yeah. three times. It would have been probably thirty million dollars if you were going yeah. after Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. of guaranteed. Or per year. I'm talking about guaranteed. This year, I'm saying. I'm talking guaranteed, guaranteed money. money. Oh, guaranteed money. As he well. can yeah, push him close to $100 million. But, like, I'm not even thinking long-term right now. I'm thinking this offseason. The Jaguars, this offseason, they're trying to win a Super Bowl in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're also trying to build for the future, but... To, to me, I was... My gut reaction was just... Ugh. Like, I, I didn't like it. Was that before you found out about the money? Yeah. I'm, okay. And it was more of just a, a, a me feeling like... Okay, there's a win. There's a very small window in the NFL where you can be dominant, and I feel like we are right on the precipice of that. And I just want to excel. And my and that was just my gut reaction. Thinking about it, how okay the money, where the money is, looking how it can be a one to two year deal. And I don't think they're done quite. I don't think they're done just yet with the quarterback position this offseason. I don't know. So it's taking a step back, looking at it, not bankrupting our possible future to sell out for a Kirk Cousins or something like that. It makes you much more comfortable getting the deal done now and being able to refocus, get that out of your head, and really plan for not just this year of his offseason, but like Dave Caldwell said earlier today, you got unique, 
Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack that you still have to think about paying Dante next Fowler. year. Yeah. yeah, right. So it's it's really a smart move. Well, it, by the front at office. no point <clears throat> when the, when they said that he was signed, they said he was signed to an extension. Yeah, they didn't say a long term deal. Like it, at no point when they said anything, I was like, oh, it's a five year deal for like a hundred million. There's no way. Yeah, I never yeah. thought that. Would when be. he said a contract extension, I was like, well, they probably got him for around what they're going to pay him next year. Right. And my immediate reaction. <clears throat> Was kind of where Scott was because I was like, if they're only saving themselves, mm-hmm. let's say his, just throwing out a number, if they're saving two million dollars on this deal for this year, <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been sexy to me. Yeah, saving nine million, that's a good football player. <laughs> I mean, for me, the difference between Blake Bortles and Kirk Cousins for one season, if you're gonna pay Blake Bortles nineteen million. I was like, you might as well just pay Kirk Cousins 30. Yeah. But cut that number in half down to 10, basically. You can you can go out and get, <clears throat> let's say, the number one guard in free agency for that kind it. of money. Yeah. Oh, they can afford to do that and Robinson and Colvin. Yeah, I'm just talking about the $9 million. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, just, just straight up with that, that money. You can, yeah, it's basically you're gaining a player. I yeah, just, if they play it that way. Yeah. I, I, at a certain point, like I, I get it, it's, it's a really it's a fan driven league for mm-hmm. the most part. But at a certain point in professional sports, you've got to trust the people that are running the yeah. show. Like mm-hmm. you, it can't be one day, oh Tom. When Hoffman's, they've shown they're trustworthy, yeah, but, which they have but over the, the last couple of years. That's such a terrible way to look at the sport, and such a terrible way to look at the li- at life in general. Like, oh well, I'll trust you one day when you prove that you can trust me, or I can trust you. Like that's such a terrible way to look at it. Uh, like, it doesn't make sense to me because... Well, okay, here's the thing. They hire, okay, so they hired Tom The Jaguars showed you over the last five years that they could not be trusted. Yeah. Great. So now they've got guys that you can trust. But now that they're starting to build it, why, does, why is there constantly people having to, like, dog people? Like, you're happy that Tom Coughlin's here. Trust him. That's because that's the nature of fans. Yeah. That's, that's just the way it is. When is it going to end? Like, just... Try. Never. It's that's, never, it's, that's what drives me crazy. It will never end. <clears throat> I can't stand it. The Broncos it. have been one of the most stable franchises in yeah. the last five and years. Fans are... And I've gotten to you know get connected with the Broncos via Phantom, which is a whole other thing we're working on. It's live streaming sports on Facebook, but some of the guys that are on there are based out of Denver. And the Denver fans are angrier all the time than Jaguar fans have been the last five years mm-hmm. and the Jaguar fans have been losing and the Broncos fans have won a Super Bowl in the last five years. You know what I mean? It's just... It's like... I guess I'm just... I guess I'm different on that side. Like, it doesn't... At the end of the day, it's well, not... Well, you a, don't have to agree with them, but it shouldn't upset you that other people are idiots. Yeah, but it's just... I think it's more upsetting because I understand what it's like to be criticized for something that... You're being criticized by somebody that has no earthly idea what they're talking about. They're just criticizing to criticize, or they think they know. And, and that is fandom. I, I understand that it's fandom. But I can't think of having it happen. Like I've had it happen where I've had people like say, "Oh, you're doing a terrible job." Yeah, for those that like, don't know, Hunter is a high school football coach. Yeah, so. I mean, it happens even at the high school level, and it's like you don't know what you're talking about. You go home and play Madden and think that you're, yeah. you know, the next Bill Belichick. So just pump the brakes a little bit and just watch the game and enjoy the game for what it is. And I don't think people at this day and age people do not watch the game of football for a game of football. They, I I can't remember who it was. I saw it a couple days ago where it said 
sports in general and mostly football has become such a win over everything league to where and it's never when 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 your team doesn't lose when your team doesn't win it's never okay what did the other team do to beat you to beat it's, me our it's, team sucks. we did something wrong what can we look at to change and fix it i mean there's truth to that yeah and and i and i completely agree it's it's winning has blinded people from rationality <laughs> You I mean, know what you I want mean? to win. I, I don't and, understand and what you're. There's upset nothing. About. There's nothing wrong with that, but being so focused on it, where you can't see every, not even every aspect, but just you know, blatantly obvious things that hey, maybe every fault from last year wasn't all on Blake Bortles. Maybe there were certain things like he didn't have okay. all his wide receivers or things I like agree that. With you. And I think we're going on a little bit. Of a yeah, we got off. I'm going to wrap this up by saying, <laughs> I think. It's not necessarily driven by like the desire to win. I just think people out there that are sports fans, not all of them, but many of them, are uninformed, yet they think they're informed. They're ignorant. Yeah. Well, I think because they watch it, they're informed. And they're not. I mean, they're just not informed. They don't know what they're talking about. I had uh, I asked the question today, and I got a crazy response. What is the Jaguars' biggest position of need? Somebody said Safety. Yeah, because they think Barry Church is terrible. <laughs> yeah, Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson, who combined for eight interceptions last year, are Awful. just garbage. Awful. <laughs> so, that's it. I mean, <laughs> people are just ignorant. That's the bottom line. It doesn't get under my skin when people are, though. It doesn't. I, it gets under my skin just because I've dealt with it. That's yeah. the only reason. But at the end of the day, the Bortles signing, it has to be given like a B plus, A minus-ish. Because it, it saves Would a lot of money. Would you rather be signing a better quarterback? No. I, you, I, because of what we're going to do. No, I'm with. saying like, you would rather Blake Bortles be better at this point in his career than he is. Well, but yes. for what you've got going on, yeah. it's a home run in my opinion. You just signed a guy who took you to an AFC championship game in spite of your top five defense not performing quite as well at the end of the, down the stretch. And in spite of having no receiver help, exactly. no receivers. I mean, and we say that we're not saying Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook aren't going to be good receivers, but they were rookies. Yeah, D.D. Westbrook missed they, the first half of the season. And Keelan no, Cole was undrafted; he was not supposed to be playing last year. Yeah. yeah, they had no true number one, and they were one of the few teams that was really hurt by not having a true number one. Like, how many teams are just completely decimated at receiver? And they were one team that was. Like, yeah. it was constantly an issue. Oh, yeah. I mean, beyond those, beyond the big guys, you had Rashad Green go down. You had uh, Shane Wynn go yeah. down. Even who, Jalen Strong. Jalen Wynn might have been. Yeah. Shane Wynn might have <clears throat> yeah. turned some heads if he stayed healthy because yeah. he would have gotten opportunities with mm-hmm. all the other injuries. So, you know, this is a receiving core that's going to look a lot better next year, especially if they get Allen Robinson back. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. Let's move on to the football, uh, the big triumvirate at the top of the Jaguars football operations. So, Tom Coughlin, Doug Murrow, and Dave Caldwell all given contract extensions through 2021. Each guy had a fantastic 2017 season. There's no question about it. But let's go ahead and grade each member of this football triumvirate, if you will, at the top. Let's start with the head man, executive vice president. Tom Coughlin. You want to start, Scott? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to see exactly his day-to-day impact because we're not in the building. 
seeing everything, him patrolling the halls, making sure everyone's on their dotting their I's and crossing their T's. But he he brings a leadership and he lead and he shows you the way you should be as a professional. And I think that's huge. Having structure, having we're gonna do things a certain way, everyone fall in line. Yep. Everyone being on the same page. And he came in and immediately you could tell from his very first press conference, we're going to win lunch. We're going to win, 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 win. Yeah. It brought a different feel, a different culture into the locker room. And, I mean, you got to give it an, to, to me, you have to give it an A. Because yeah. he was the one thing that was drastically different about the coaching staff, about the front office. I think that's debatable. Well, everyone else was already on on the staff. Doug Marone was your offensive line coach. Well, yeah, you I, I, knew he, as soon as Doug Marone became the head coach, it was going to be different. That he hated some of yeah. the things that Gus Bradley did. <laughs> you could just tell. Yeah, and he would never say that because he's a good guy. Yeah, but. I just I I think be to be a leader, you have to set an example and you know expect everyone else. To put the same amount of effort in as you do, oh, and, I, and I think he did a great job. So an A for Scott. Yeah. What do you have, Hunter? For Coughlin? Yeah, I'm gonna give him an S. Going back to like the old elementary days. I don't even remember a that. Satisfactory. Had a few too many beers to remember. What that <laughs> is. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give him a good old satisfactory because I don't think you can really give him an A. You can't give him a B. Like that's not the right judge. It, and it's he did what we thought he was gonna do. He and it's hard to knock and just, him for anything. Yeah, like there's nothing you can really say he did wrong. Nothing you can say he did right necessarily. He he kind of he just, nothing you can say he did right. But what exactly? Yeah, he changed the culture a little bit. But part of that's Doug. I just don't think there's one thing, one signing or one call, or that's why it's hard to give him. It's not. That's the thing. It's not one signing or one but call. That's what Calais Campbell's not in Jacksonville without Tom Coughlin. No, I don't know if Barry Church is or AJ Boye. But that's um, why I say Leonard Fournette. I don't think is drafted number four overall if Tom Coughlin's not here. Yeah, that's tough. And maybe that wasn't the perfect pick, but I don't think you beat the Steelers without Leonard Fournette in the playoffs. Probably not. No, I'm not saying he did bad. Like, I'm not saying Tom Coughlin did anything wrong. I just don't think giving him a grade really necessarily makes sense. The other two, I think you can give a grade to. I th- a real grade. I think... I think Tom I, Coughlin did what he was supposed to do. I understand where you're coming from, where he's maybe a step... He's a, a step outside of being able to ha- make... You know, have tangible yeah, decisions like, that he, are public. He has his hands in everything when it comes to the Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. So And from a... Here's just... I'm going to... I'll give you my grade right now, because I disagree that he doesn't deserve a grade. I think he does deserve a grade. It's something everything deserve. changed when he got here. I agree. everything changed when he got. Here. Doug Marone's not the coach without Tom Coughlin. I guarantee you that Doug Marone does not get hired without Tom Coughlin. Well, he doesn't. I'm telling you that Tom Coughlin went to the table Dave, for Doug Dave Caldwell would have to go out and get a guy because if he didn't. The fans would revolt. I'm telling you, without Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone is not yeah. the head coach. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. Uh, he went to the table for Doug Marone. Uh, he allowed Doug Marone to make his coaching hires and help him with that. And they, all the assistants were fantastic hires. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't mean the offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. I'm going down to the positional coaches. Yeah. Those I guys were Keenan amazing. Cardo. Um, so I'm giving Tom Coughlin an A plus, hundred percent, the highest grade you can give him. 
Bottom line. The Jaguars went from a 3-13 and team, and like you said, Scott, the biggest change was Tom Coughlin. Mm-hmm. The culture he instilled, bringing Doug Marone on as the head coach, allowing Marone and helping Marone to be the coach he wants to be, and just that relationship. Yeah. They have probably the best relationship of a executive yeah. and a head coach. I feel like the they're NFL. so similar. Yeah, and that's they're why. great. Now let's move on to Doug Marone. Because uh, we're raving about him a little bit here. Hunter, why don't you start us off with Doug Marone? I'm going to go A-. minus. Okay. Because I think for the most part he did about everything that you could expect him to do. He went out and completely changed the team around. Really brought the culture that uh, Tom Coughlin wanted into the locker room, which is where Tom Coughlin can't quite reach because he's not a coach. That's tough to really reach. So he was able to get every single one of those players to buy into this new culture and really just get after it. Um, His play calling, his decision-making, not play calling, were huge. I mean, the the Corey Grant fourth down fake punt – I mean, how many times did they go for it on fourth down? Or the fourth down against um, the Bills in the playoffs. Stuff like that. That's huge. But then there's plays like the the decision-making against the Cardinals. Yep. That pretty much probably lose the game for them. Yep, that's what I was going to bring up. Yep. But yeah, those <laughs> decisive play call, decisions that when it boils down to it, the coordinator makes the call, but the head coach is on the same headset. He's listening to every play call. He's listening to every decision. Marone made. took credit for the, or not credit, really, blame, blame for, the, for the Cardinals. Yeah, and on a third down, when you have a chance to wrap up the game by running Wait. the ball, you pass the ball, and then you have to punt. Even Blaine Gabbert yeah. drives the ball down the but field. But even the stuff going back to how they played against the Steelers and the uh, Patriots, that's partly on Marone because Marone can be a hey, watch, like, Come on, man. Let's let's get after it a little bit. Stop yeah. playing so soft. If that's what you feel like they're doing, that's partly on him. So that's why I'd give him an A minus, low A minus, like a ninety one. Yeah, I mean, maybe he got that curve. ninety. Yeah, yeah he but, got like the curve to get him the A. But I mean, I think he proved why he was a, the best pick for what Tom Coughlin want and what this culture, you know, what Shot Con wants. The development that the culture needed. Yeah, because there was a culture of camaraderie and brotherhood already. Oh, he just said it over the edge. There's no doubt about and that. And then they said it to where you have to hold your brothers accountable. Yeah, I think Gus Bradley was like the cool uncle. And then Papa Marone came home yep. and was like, you guys are all close and huddly cuddly and whatever. We're yeah. going to work. Yeah, we're going back to we're Put going your back boots on, fellas. I'm glad you had your fun for a couple of years. <laughs> but let's, you know. So what's your grade, Scott? I, I agree. Everything that you know, you guys are saying. It's, it's, gonna, it's an A- for me. Um, knocking on, I, there were some times where he was aggressive, you know, and he was pushing the issue. And then there were some times where he's kneeling the ball with a minute to go with three time, timeouts. And it's, there were just little things that you can learn from, you know, you can build upon that. Absolutely. And it's nothing that I'm going to kill the guy for because he just went. You know, to the AFC Championship game. And, you know, if Marquise Lee catches the pass against the Cardinals, no one criticizes him for that. Yeah. Well, Which if Marquise Lee catches the pass against the Jets. Yeah. I mean, Marquise Lee. This guy. Yeah. Out of all the guys that really cost the Jaguars a couple games, you got to point your finger right at him. I know. Mino Tiger just God, couldn't yeah. do it for him. But it is what it is. And um, 
So I'm also giving Marona A minus. I think he really the Jaguars would not have gotten as far as they did without him, but I think they plateaued in the AFC Championship because of him. Uh, I think that he allowed the play calling to get too predictable on offense in the second half. I believe not trying. He outthought himself in terms of taking Corey Grant out of the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you said, he didn't get on to Todd Wash about really trying to tighten things up uh, in the <clears throat> second halves against the Steelers and Patriots. So, A minus. I think, no question, fantastic job. But could he have been better? Yeah, he could have been a little, a little bit better. Yeah. Now, Dave Caldwell is the only guy who's been around multiple years now. We're grading their entire tenures so far with the Jaguars. Yes. Where do we rate Dave Caldwell? Because I think this could be the one with the biggest amount of uh, fluctuation between our grades. For me, Dave Caldwell reminds me of myself in high school. I really dug a hole for myself in my freshman year. And, I, you know, I slowly built it back up, really hitting my stride my junior and senior year. He had a lot to come back from. Before last year, even the 2016 draft, it was rough. And you didn't know how long Dave Caldwell might be here because his future seemed tied to... The 2016 draft was not rough. No, I'm sorry, but previous to that. Okay. Prior okay. to that, yeah, there, yeah. Prior to 2016, Dave Caldwell, it was it, probably looking at a D plus to a C. And he's and he's clinging to Blake Bortles to yep. bring to keep him alive. And now you come off the of off season where you sign <laughs> Clayus Campbell, AJ Boye, Barry Church, and I I'm mean, not giving him full credit for this. Yeah, I mean Tom Coughlin helped, but he's you know he's still a big part. Yeah. Of what they do. And the last few drafts have been great. You know, they've gotten solid players. And look at look, look at what he did with the undrafted free agents. I mean, Keelan Cole really just came out of nowhere. Alan Ernst. Yeah. I got you. So, so what do you got? He's really, I think, really starting to settle in and having that guidance from Coughlin to not necessarily be the guy with on top of everything where he can kind of, you know, you know get tunnel vision a little bit and not have to worry about... You know, every little thing under the sun really has helped him grow. I got a B plus because I think he hit it out of the park last year um, after having an already good season or good off season last the year before that. Yeah. Um, so he's really dragging, <laughs> dragging that average up. So I think B plus might be a little bit high for me, um, but if he keeps doing what he's doing. He's going to have another A, just like the other two. Yeah. So for me, I gave him a B-plus as well. I think I would have given him a D for his first two seasons, three seasons. But just look at the talent he acquired prior to Tom Coughlin getting to Jacksonville, which is Jalen Ramsey, Unique Ngakwe, Telvin Smith, Miles Jack, Malik Jackson, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, um... You look at Blake Bortles, who is not a bust anymore, in my opinion. Uh, and you look at Tashawn Gibson, who's also really shown out the last season. And then you combine that with, obviously, what he was able to do last season. And this is a guy that has acquired a lot of talent for this franchise. Much more talent than you've seen since 1999. 
There's no question, even with, in my mind, even without the Coughlin signings last year and without the Coughlin draft picks last year, that this roster is more talented than any roster the Jaguars had going back to 1999. Maybe 2000, 2001, because the rosters were so talented, but they just weren't producing quite like they should. So I'm giving him a B plus. I think he has the potential to become an A-type guy. Uh, but you got to look back at the 2013 draft class. No players left. Oh, and we forget to mention Brandon Linder. That was a stud, yeah. stud draft pick. Uh, and also Jeremy Parnell was an unheralded pickup that's ended up being a very yeah. nice one. Uh, but anyways, 2013 draft class completely gone. 2015 free agent class is completely gone. But you look at all the positives that we've talked about, got to give them a B+. A B plus. Are you on the same page, Hunter? Yeah, I'd probably give him more of a B minus B. Okay, that's fair. I just think you you got to take his best and his worst and scrap them both and try and take the average of like that really that median stuff. And I think he's just done. I think where he goes most underappreciated and something that no not a lot of people talk about is the way he has structured contracts. Contracts. His ability to him and John Edson. Yeah. He has just been a baller when it comes to money. The Jaguars have been nowhere close to any kind of money issues and have been able to pretty much go spend like they're millionaires. It's because of these two-year outs that they do in every contract. And I don't think that can go underappreciated. No. He's made mistakes, but he's been able to get away from those mistakes. Right. His free agent mistakes, he's been able to correct within two seasons. Exactly. And that is huge. You're allowed to make mistakes if you can correct the mistakes. And being able to get out of a bad deal is huge. And he's right. been able to do it. And like Tom Coughlin, he wasn't able to do that earlier in his career in mm-hmm. Jacksonville. And it ended up costing him his job. Yep. Because his mistakes, they weren't able to overcome them at all. And that's a weird mixture. Because Tom Coughlin, at the very beginning, well, he was like the GM. Right? Yeah, mean, he was coaching GM, basically. And he wasn't able to do it. And now that there's this mixture of new style, old style with him and Dave Caldwell, Dave Caldwell's kind of handing, handling the business side and a little more of the scouting side of it. And then you get Coughlin's who's just kind of like, no, this is the culture side and the, the mm-hmm. football side. It's really mixing into like the ideal GM. And it's turning into something pretty impressive. Like They're able to go out and find young guys and a mixture of somewhat veteran prime guys that are mixing perfectly. Yeah. And they're building a culture that's working. So Yeah. They got a bunch of dogs on that defense. Mm-hmm. I think they need to add some attitude like that to the offensive side right. of the ball. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, before we do our Pop Top segment presented by Bold City Brewery, let's just comment real quick on the Chris Ivory cut. Everyone saw this coming. He was a healthy scratch at the end of the season. Fumbled the ball seven times in two seasons, despite only carrying the ball like 200 times. I mean, the, his fumble to touch rate was just awful. Yeah. His, uh, I mean, his yards per carry was under four. It was, I think, three, three and a half-ish during his time in Jacksonville. Certainly showed flashes. Yeah. And there's games that he helped the Jaguars win. But not a guy that you could continue to build around when you have Leonard Fournette. When you have T.J. Yeldon, who's an excellent complement to Leonard Fournette because of his ability to pass protect and receive the ball out of the backfield and be an effective runner Mm -hmm. in between the tackles and outside the tackles. And then you've got Corey Grant, who's just the fastest man alive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, forgive me, John Ross. Yeah. You got to get on the football or field. Or John Brown. <laughs> I want to give... Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and do it. I, I got really pissed off the other day because I heard some people talking about... Radio people talking about how... And I think it might have been Midday Chalk. But how the Bengals were just idiotic for selecting John Ross. No. It's like, no, the Bengals are idiotic because they didn't get him on the football yeah. field. Oh. That's, he was a healthy scratch for a, a bunch of games last year. How oh do you not God. get speed, find a they place basically for made, They basically, the, the story they were trying to convey is that John Ross duped the Bengals into taking him yeah. because he was able to run his 4-2 or whatever it was. Marvin Williams, Marvin Williams, Marvin Lewis has a history of kind of, Avoiding going with the rookies. Carl Lawson had didn't have as many snaps as people were, thought he would because he liked playing veterans yeah. who he knew he could trust. So anyways, that Great. just really pissed me off. And that was just an uninformed comment. Yeah. So anyways, moving on. Uh, let's get into our Pop Top segment. Then we'll talk some Allen Robinson, Aaron Colvin, and get into the Combine. As Scott exit stage left. I gotta get him up. Bye, Scott. See what you was later. that? Oh, we didn't clean yours, I don't think. I wasn't expecting Hunter to be here today, so our our show has really been thrown I'm sorry. off. Here. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's alright. Got a terrible burnt orange though. <laughs> don't you talk about my Texas shirt? Yes, our resident Texas fan has a Texas hat on or a Texas shirt on today. What is yours? It's an Alabama hat. Well, the of course flag. it is. Okay. Yeah. Of course it is. Of course. Why not? What you, else? You basic. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. What do we got? What are we drinking? I'm wearing today? all Jim Jag, so I guess I'm the best. Uh, we have a brand new IPA from Bolt City Brewery for our Pop Top segment. It's called the Tight Pants New England IPA. I have a feeling a lot of the guys out there know what this is all about, tight pants, you know? I think we've all dealt with that once or twice. <laughs> No comment? <laughs> Y'all have never had to squeeze into some tight uh, pants? No, I tried to no, buy my yeah, pants with a little more wiggle room. Um, uh, you get the uh, elastic band, the stretch fit. Uh, in my jeans? I don't uh, really wear jeans. I, I, wear, I mean, I always try and buy a size bigger. I've got, so, I've got a couple pairs of khakis. You don't have, like, buttons. khaki pants? Yeah, they're always, like, a size bigger. Okay, that's good. So yeah. I wear a belt, so the belt's going to hold them up. Right. Yeah, when it, whenever I... Whenever. It can get pretty awkward, though, when you've got a belt that's tighter than that's, the pants. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta make sure I hit the right range. Yeah. Because so, when you get that little scrunch in the pants and it starts to look like you're wearing, like, three sizes too big, yeah. it's rough. But I, I need some room in my area, you know? We all need some it's room hard, in our area, huh? I, It's hard to sit out. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. It's impressive. Like, you know, all the power to you, skinny jean wearers, like... You're the real hero, you know? <laughs> what is, wait, where is this going? What I don't are know. we talking I don't about? Know. Yeah, man, we're talking about the tight pants New England IPA from Bull City Brewery <laughs> that we're all about to get to. Uh, you can sit, tell give it a shot here. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and pop this top. I don't like the New England name, though. Yeah, pop Top, as always, presented by Bold City Brewery. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. They are the one and only sponsor of the Jim Jack podcast. They also sponsor the fan group where we uh, get to drink a lot of Bold City Brewery beer on Sundays. 
I hopefully, really... hopefully this season it'll be a little bit more on like Thursdays and Mondays. If y'all catch my drift, okay. Some primetime games. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. All right. We should absolutely. It's very oh, wow. Hunter does his annual uh, <laughs> smelling of the. Bones. I mean, it's just—it's a lot thicker than I was expecting. Hmm. That's what she said. That smells and tastes just delightful. It actually is really good. It is. It's got a little uh, cloudiness to it. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to go wear some tight pants. It does not smell like looking at it. It doesn't. Smell I took like a whip taste. of it and I was like, yeah. "Oh wow, that's not what I was expecting." Typically, anytime I see a cloudy beer like this, I think bitter, mm. and I think, but it's not. I would say I'm the resident IPA drinker here. <laughs> Yeah, I drink PBR, mm. so... This is great. Yeah. Oh, it's really this good. This is good. I drink PBR, so I can drink this. What's this called? Tight Pants? Tight Pants New England IPA. Let's oh, go man. ahead and give the people a description here of the beverage. It's good. The end. 7.5% alcohol, so... It's on the stronger side Very for most people. Oh, uh, crap. It's brewed with Brent Evers of Small Tank Brewing in Candler, North Carolina. So they did a combo brew with a North Carolina brewery. Double dry hopped beer with has a pillowy mouthfeel, which like when you read that, you're like, how is that? But when you taste it, you're like, yeah, that's like drink, it's like drinking a cloud. That <laughs> really makes sense. Fruit yeah. forward hop flavor and aroma, low bitterness. So for guys that are just out there trying to get the hoppiest IPA that you can find, this isn't it. No, but this is a very drinkable just, and flavorful IPA. I just took another sip, it, and I just I want to be the guy that's sitting there drinking this. It's like it tastes like I'm drinking a pillow. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh my god, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, <laughs> like, but it does. It really does. It almost has like a a pillowy soft. Yeah. Okay. It is really hard to describe to you listeners out there. But yeah, we are not experts. Go try. Go go. Yeah, go try. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I think we've, judging by the length of our beards, like we're the most craft beer, and it goes like less craft I sh- beer. I just, I just shaved. So it. Scott so has the pretty. Tr- I mean, Scott's completely. Yeah, so he's, he's clearly not a craft beer guy. I have a slight beard, and I just like beer in general, so yeah. I don't care. I have the massive yes. beard. You look like you drink a lot of craft beer and wear a lot of flannels. Does that mean I have to beer? start drinking wine coolers now? <laughs> Possibly. Dang it. <laughs> Why do you think the Smirnoff glasses oh. are for? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, let's get back on track with the show here. Thanks again to Bold City Brewery, though. One only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast, BoldCityBrewery.com. You can go check them out. Roselle, Riverside. We're on East Bay Street downtown. Alan Robinson, Aaron Colvin, both guys are up for new deals. Where do we stand on these contracts? Apparently we can sign them both. Well, okay. (laughs) Dave Caldwell saying today, let's go ahead and let's talk about what Dave Caldwell said and then talk about the contracts a little more. I guess that makes more sense. Uh, Dave Caldwell, first off, commenting on criticism of the Bortles contract. Some people have a hard time thinking for themselves. Ooh. That was what I took most away from what Dave Caldwell said. <laughs> I love Dave Caldwell. That was sometimes. just I so really underhanded do. and yeah. savage. Just savage yeah. AF. I love He's it. got that really passive aggressive smack to the you know, like the a backhanded compliment. He's yeah. perfect. So beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that tells you everything you need to know about how he's Open feels him about up that. to an A. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
he did come out and say we have enough cap space to sign Colvin and Robinson. We already knew that. If you're following this and yeah. you're following that the Jaguars saved $12.6 million over the weekend by extending Bortles and waving Ivory, you know the Jaguars have enough money to do this. But what you didn't know is if the Jaguars front office believed that they actually had enough. Like, just looking at the numbers, you and I could tell, tell anyone that they had enough. But that the Jaguars front office believes they have enough means something. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's not just this year. It's knowing what they have in mind and they can accept as a contract right. for the following years. And while that makes you think that the deals will get done... Caldwell did backtrack a little bit. He said, and maybe not backtracked, but qualified his statement mm-hmm. a little bit, talking about Allen Robinson. He said, Allen's a great kid. There are a lot of things we like about him. Maybe the 1,400 yards and 15, 14 <laughs> touchdowns in uh, one season. But we just have to make sure it's the right thing for the team. A.K.A. if the Jaguars, if, if – Allen Robinson's camp's out there asking for five to six years, $15 million with a bunch guaranteed. It's yeah, not going to happen. But if you're looking at three or four years, 14 to $15 million, less guaranteed money, more incentives, I think that's a deal that happens. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And even, and, even uh, Marone said, when asked about Allen Yeah, he Robinson, brought up the franchise tag. He's like... He's made it pretty clear. He, he doesn't think Allen's going anywhere. Yeah. I think we all thought that for most of the time. Yeah. You're getting a little bit of pushback from Mike Kay and Ryan O'Haller and Jaguars beat writers now saying that it's more impossible that he won't come back or that if they can't agree to a deal that maybe they wouldn't franchise tag him. I don't see that happening. I think Allen Robinson's a Jaguar. Yeah. How do you let a guy like that? With that potential go. Well, if you let him go, then you immediately have to set your sights on getting Sammy Watkins or Jarvis Landry, in my opinion. Yeah. There's a big hole. Well, Jarvis Landry is a no-go. You well, can trade, trade for, him. for him. Oh, yeah, but tra- what are you going to trade? Yeah, and then you also have to give him a deal. <laughs> yeah. Sammy Watkins would probably be cheaper than either of those guys, mm-hmm. and maybe not necessarily a terrible fallback plan, but <laughs> yeah. I would rather have Allen Robinson at this point, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that much. So I think I think Robinson's back. I think Colvin's back. John Osher came out and said earlier this week he thinks it's very likely Colvin's back. I just see such an opportunity for this defense to continue right where they left off. You get another nickel cornerback in there, there's so much familiarity that has to go on. There's another new starter in the secondary. I think you keep this secondary together as long as you possibly can. And uh, that's where I stand on that. I, I don't think that you're going to find a better nickel cornerback than Aaron Coleman. I think you... I mean, talent-wise, there might be better guys out there in the draft, but I don't think for next season, a season where you're trying to win the Super Bowl, yeah. there's a better option. And I also think you sign Aaron Colvin to a deal where you can get out after two years, or maybe even one year, and then you have your opportunity to sign Jalen. And Jalen's probably not chirping so much about Colvin getting hit at that point. (laughs) He's like, it's my time to get there. So, yeah, I think think you keep both of them. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. I really don't. And I've said for a couple weeks now, I don't think they're going to let Colvin go. I just don't think it's smart to let him go. And I don't think it's smart for Colvin to leave. And I texted y'all this week. I really think that it's a better idea for him 
to get slot high slot corner money, like big money, but being a slot corner. Yeah, I would give him eight million. Yeah, but that's still that's still good money. That's a lot. But yeah. you could go get eight million for a couple of years, and then maybe build from there. Yeah, I mean, I but the I think it's the security that you have by yeah. staying is huge, and a lot of people don't look at it. And I think that's one thing that going back to the Bortles thing that Bortles looked at, and he was really smart about. Where am I going to be secure in my job, and where am I going to be secure for not just next year? And that's something Colvin's got to look at. Like, I yeah, I can go make fourteen million next next year. That's great. But if I don't perform to be a number one corner or even a number two corner, I don't think he can make fourteen. I think he might be able to make ten on the open market. Well, then why would you make ten in a place that you're not familiar with, where you can make eight, be highly familiar, and be a ginormous part of the defense? Well, look, people have openly said because he. The only reason he would do that is because he believes he should be a starting corner. Yeah. And do we know that that's his ultimate goal? No, we don't know that. No. He his ultimate goal could be to win a Super Bowl. If that's his ultimate goal, he should stay here. If his ultimate goal is to be remembered as an integral part of one of the best defenses of all time for a couple years, he should stay here. Uh, And I mean, I think he's going to get exposed if he goes out and gets paid $10 million and becomes a team's starting corner. I think he will. I don't think he's going to have the level of play he does at nickel. At nickel... He's able to have a fast track to get into the quarterback in blitzing situations. He's able to use his ability to tackle on a more consistent basis. And uh, he's able to use his short area quickness on a more consistent basis. You're going up uh, against number one and number two wide receivers on the outside. You are. That is tough. Yeah. Nickel's tough too, but he's perfect for it. And especially for a guy who doesn't get turnovers. He's got one interception and it was a deflection. Um, he's not. He doesn't really. He doesn't show me to be the kind of playmaker as far as I will say. Guess what else he didn't get though this year? Hmm. A touchdown scored on him. True. Yeah. Zero touchdowns. Him and Marcus Lattimore are the only two guys in the NFL. Forget the qualifying number of snaps and coverage, but him and Lattimore were the only two guys. Yeah, I think he's a pretty yeah, impressive. I think he's a good football player. He's steady. Maybe doesn't have you know the top end that. Most starting corners have that are getting paid elite money. I mean, but I, I think he could go out there and potentially be a solid number two. I don't know if he's ever got the. I think he could be a solid player at number two. Yeah. I think he can be elite at number three. Yeah. He's never. Well, that's that's the, that's the thing. Like he could be one of the best in the league for years to come as a number three, a slot corner, where he's playing 70, 80 snap, or percent of the snaps. If he goes, he's going to be a middle of the road number one or two. Yeah, and he's not going to be better. He's not going to be better than Aqib Tlaib. He's not going to be better than Jalen Ramsey or Boye. He's not better than Marcus Lattimore. He's not going to be better than Sherman. He's not going to be better than uh, what's the what's the guy in uh, Detroit? Oh uh, uh, yeah, Slay. Darius Slay. God, like, you gotta love Darius Slay. But there, you can count on my two hands and your two hands and probably your two hands, and still like that's. Before you get to Colvin. Yes, there's probably at least 30 corners that are better than Colvin. And I'd say, I'd say he's a top he's a top 30 corner in the league. And top on, 25 that's maybe. Cl- that's cutting it close in my opinion. It, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like You'd yeah. be arguing to get him in there. Yeah. But when you go to nickel corner and a slot corner, and that's, to me, that's three. why I think it's a different position because it's a different skill set. He's a top two or three. Yeah. He might be a top. I'd say top two or top three. Top three. Yeah. And on to your point where he, he might be known 
he might be a part of one of the best defensive runs of of all time. He could be thinking in his mind, or not not just in his mind, but be thought about as maybe the eighth guy on that defense. You know, maybe he's looking for a little bit more of the spotlight, a little bit uh, to say, I want to prove who I can be. Right. And get out of the umbrella. I totally get that, but I think it would be a poor decision on his yeah. part. That's just, I mean, I, mean, that's I, would, a, I would agree. We just don't want to keep him. <laughs> it's hard to make speculations because you don't know what his mindset yeah. is. Some people are just happy being the best at what they're good at mm-hmm. and not trying to be the best like, everywhere. You know, like, mm-hmm. if, if I can go be the best at my skill set, be the best slot corner I can be, and be really beneficial to this team, make a good amount of money, and be around people that I really want to be around, sometimes it's really good to be a a really big fish in a small pond than it is to be a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. And that's what I think that like, if he's got to decide for himself. And it's really, at the end of the day, like nobody can knock him for either decision. It's going to be what he personally feels yeah. is best oh, yeah. in his personal decision and also in what he thinks he should be. Oh, man, that is another thing I have to go on a rant about. What? You say, uh, and I agree with you, that you can't knock him for his decision either way. It's what's best for him. Somebody commented on a post earlier today, and I guess I'm getting upset about some of the things you were getting upset about earlier. (laughs) It's crazy. Full circle, huh? Yeah, but uh, just because it's so ridiculous. Uh, This person, I don't know who it was, guy or girl, whatever, but they commented on a, I think my post about Alan Robinson saying we're about to find out really what kind of person Allen Robinson is. No, what you're not. What the hell are you talking no, about? That's because ridiculous. a guy decides to go test free agency or decides to stay in a city and play football there, that has no bearing on what type of no. person he is. Okay, Mr. Commenter, if you work at McDonald's and you decide, hey, I want to go work at Wendy's now, does that show your son a character, or is that absurd. so? Maybe you're getting paid a little bit better it at Wendy's. It's not a. It's it might be. It's how you handle the situation that really is ju- judging your character. Yeah. I think we not can all say Allen Robinson's a pretty damn good guy. Yeah, pretty that's decent. Such guy. a stupid. To me, that's so stupid. Like, yeah, that really pissed me off. But but that that's the the fandom going I, see, into the sport. I guess sport. the difference about what I'm saying and what you were saying earlier is that pissed me off because. They're talking about a guy's character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're going to criticize a player for play on the field, that's one thing if you're wrong. But to say that a business decision and free agency is going to make a guy not no, a high-quality guy is just ridiculous. I agree. That's it's, not even fandom. That's it's just being different, an idiotic But at the person. same time, it's, it's in the same line. It's like, oh, he's a bad guy because he decided he wanted an extra couple million. And maybe in a different spot. Maybe it was better for his family. Whatever. Yeah. But then on the field, like when someone says, oh, they're trash. God. Oh, I hate yeah. it. You know, like that. Those two comments, he's an idiot for making that decision. Or he's trash for making that play. Two things that... Those just, are the worst. You can't judge a human by what he makes a decision on, like, for his personal game. Like, You're right about that. It's ridiculous. Like, the Denver fans hating on Clayus Campbell. Like, don't be an idiot. So, we can both, all three of us agree that both players should be back. Yeah. That money's there. Let's get it done. That's how I feel about it. Let's move on. Top five biggest team needs heading into the NFL Combine, which has already started. 
but the on-field portion of the combine doesn't start till Friday. Friday, we've got offensive line, running backs, and special teams. Saturday, we've got quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Sunday, we've got defensive linemen, linebackers. Monday, we've got defensive backs. So we've got a packed weekend. You get Friday and Monday to wedge it in there, and uh, I'm hoping I can just be at home for all <laughs> yeah. of this watching. Oh, yeah. But you never know how these things go. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into our top five needs. I'm going to break mine down. I'll just go through the five really quick. I think offensive guard is the number one need on this team because I think if this team has studly offensive guards, everything else becomes that much easier. If you can get push up the middle with this offensive line, with Leonard Fournette running the ball and Blake Bortles uh, handing it off and then Blake Bortles also throwing the ball, throwing the rock around, offensive guard and offensive line in general, this offensive line performs at an exceptional level, this offense can become so much more than it was last year, especially in terms of consistency, which really was the biggest issue. There was times, no question, the offense was firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. But you want consistency? Dominate that interior of the offensive line. So that's my number one need. My number two need is tight end. Uh, I just think... The Jaguars haven't been able to challenge teams over the middle. And if they could do that, that's another thing that makes everything else easier around them. Three, Nickelback. And that's assuming Colvin's not back, which I'm hoping Colvin is. But if Colvin can't come back, I have Nickelback there because the Jaguars' defense is the best defense in the NFL. When it's complete, you need to have a studly nickel there. And I'm not saying Tyler Patman or Jalen Myrick couldn't become that, but I still think you would address it if Colvin's not back. Number four, wide receiver, even if Allen Robinson does come back, I think they need to address the position to get a really, really good number two receiver. Because I think if you have Allen Robinson, Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook, and then a, a legit number two guy, that's that's just a great makeup there for uh, for an offense, and then five quarterback. You got to get rid of Chad Henning, in my opinion, and get some fresh blood in there. That's where I stand. Where are you at, Scott? Yeah, we we have actually our fives are the same except a little bit shuffled. Um, I went wide receiver one. Um, I think why is wide receiver one? I struggled between wide receiver and and guard. Um, to me, you're most likely going to lose Marquise Lee. Hearns is still a bit in the air. If they can restructure his deal and bring him back at a reasonable rate, you might have him. But then, what is he really bringing to the table? Right, where does he fit? Like, if Hearns... This is just a bigger discussion about Hearns, too, that we we didn't really allot time for. But, like, do you want Hearns on the field over Keelan Cole or D.D. Westbrook right now? The, they I don't. Were, they were on on the same field last at the end of last year, and Hearns was just. It was oh, Alan Hearns is playing. Wow, he made yeah. a catch. Yeah. So to me, having more weapons around Blake Bortles will give him the best chance to ha- to succeed. Yeah. Um, I do think that guard is very important. So you have wide receiver and then guard? I have wide receiver and then guard. Okay. Um, I think having someone, not only someone, but a second person where you know 
Allen Robinson and whoever, you can rely on them. No matter what happens, they're going to make a play for you. Mm-hmm. I think for just for the confidence, for Blake Bortles, that would be huge. Um, guard, you explained it all. The, the, it was the weakest link on this offensive line. It needs- and it wasn't necessarily terrible. There were games where the offensive yeah. line dominated the entire game. The whole offensive line. Yeah. There were games where A.J. Cannon and Patrick Omome both played well. But overall, more consistency is required. Yeah, and uh, so the, just building upon the number one rushing offense of last year, um, tight end, I think is hugely important as well, but not as big of an impact maker for me. Um, I think just the ability to test the defense is why yeah. I have that higher than receiver. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's definitely... A, I think they have talented ball. receivers. Yeah. I don't think they have a talented pass-catching tight end. This is true. Um, I have QB at four because I think it's imperative to not only replace Chad Henney, but to have someone where you can see a potential of him taking over if Blake Bortles does not play through this contract mm-hmm. to the extent that he should. Yep. Um, I think QB is the most important position. Every couple of years, you should spend draft capital develop your, or something. Develop your quarterback room. That's something the Jaguars franchise has struggled to do yeah. throughout almost the entire franchise. First few years, they were doing well. They had Rob Johnson. They had a couple other guys. Yeah. But since the 90s, the... Quarterback room hasn't been where it should. So I, I think addressing the most important position in sports is ideal. And then nickel corner. Obviously, it's more hugely important if Colvin isn't here. But I don't touch it if Colvin's here. Yeah, I, I think corner in general is somewhere where you, you would want to to look at maybe later in the draft. Um, yeah, maybe. I just it's, I really like the potential that Myrick and, Myrick and Patman both showed. Yeah, but there, there's just there you rely on them too much in the NFL. Um, there's too much to me when you potentially have to have three or four on the field at a time. Load up on them. Yeah, I don't get disagree deep. With you. That should be one of the deepest rooms you have. Yeah, as, as far as now for me though, if you're gonna talk about depth. If Colvin's here, I think linebacker shoots up to pass nickel cornerback, in my opinion. That was that yeah, that was right on the end. Because I think you have outside linebacker depth because you have I mean Miles Jack and Telvin Smith can both play outside linebacker. Blair Blair Brown can play outside linebacker. Got a couple other younger guys. Inside linebacker, you're a lot more limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they could definitely use a guy there. But Phone's flying all over the place in here. Honeywell, my turn. Do you have any disagreements, or what do you? What yeah, do you my list here? is pretty much completely different, actually. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I got tight end as one. Okay. Um, I think when it boils down to it, if Blake Bortles, since he's the guy for next year, if Bortles has a tight end that he trusts as a pass catching guy, a reliable pass catching guy, especially over the middle, to really challenge the safeties, huge. Yeah, it changes the game completely. It changes Boral's play. It changes everything. So, I I agree, but and the I to just clarify why I picked wide receiver. I think it's better spending more draft heavy draft capital like a first or second round pick in a playmaking like wide receiver than it is necessarily on a, on a tight end. That's maybe, the only reason it, it why. It really I just that. depends on what you want to do. I mean, again, that's if and it's mainly because I'm thinking. If I am building an offense, obviously you want a quarterback. We got a quarterback. 
You know what you got in the quarterback. Yeah. You want a running back. We got a running back. Guaranteed. I'm assuming Robinson's here. We have Keelan Cole and Diddy Westbrook. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm somewhat set. I can run what I want to run. Line set. Fullback set. There's one position on this team that I don't feel like I'm a we- I have a weapon. And that's where I don't have a weapon. Yeah. So that's why. And I also, I'm a very tight end. Love, I love the tight end position. I think it's such a dominant and game-changing position from mm-hmm. high school to college or to NFL. If you have a guy that can win the tight end to linebacker to safety matchups, you're going to win a lot of football games because a good tight end is impossible to cover. He's too fast for a linebacker. He's too big for a safety. So that's why I put tight end number one. Number two, I'm going to put... I wanted to add something to that. Uh, I think some people might argue that Mercedes Lewis is, you know, good enough tight end because nope. they look at his six touchdowns last year. Every one of those touchdowns, almost to a T, wide open. He was wide yeah. open and on the right side of the field, not testing the middle no. of the field. I, he did not force teams to. He was against a corner, or he was against an outside linebacker one on one on a fade. One of the Ravens touchdowns in in London, right at the middle, with a nice jump ball. Okay, that was a great play. So he's was, not going to give you that every game, right? But, and he's not he's not making the defense no. worry about the middle of the field. Yeah, that's why I like tight end. Yeah. I think it's it's a such a huge. I mean, look at the best teams in the NFL. But in my opinion, also to counter that, I do think. The Jaguars are not effed at the tight end position no, if I, they don't get a guy. I just think, I think they'll be fine. I just think one of the biggest impacts immediately is going to be a yeah. stud tight end. Um, and then my number two, I'm going to put linebacker. It doesn't right. matter. Inside, outside. I, I mean, obviously inside is the majority, but you need linebacker depth. And we, we saw that last year when Talvin got hurt. Yeah. You got to have – and this is – I'm not saying this is like, let's go draft a guy in the first or second round. This is just adding feasible Add guys. another fourth or fifth round guy maybe. Or yeah. Like, like Blair Brown. Yeah. yeah my list, my yeah. list is not yeah. saying these are guys that you're going to go spend big bucks on or get high drafts. These are just things that I think if you have these is a quicker turnaround than maybe a first round receiver kind of thing. Um, so that's my first two. My In second, terms of wins and losses. Yeah. Yeah. And my third is going to be guard. I think guard, it's it's an easy transition, or it's an easy pickup. I think you can get a guy. I don't know how it's third on your list. Really? If the Jaguars' offensive line was a little bit more dominant, they win. I agree. They got used on the inside by the Patriots at the end of the game. And then the Eagles went out the very next week and dominated the Patriots' defense. I agree. Two weeks later. But you know who who else... was on that Eagles line that dominated the Patriots? Stephen uh, Wisniewski. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The offensive line, I think, is going to have a better... Their... What's the word I'm looking for? I think Wisniewski was also playing guard for, for them he instead is, of He center. should have been a guard here. Yeah. But their improvement to, to next year as a group is going to be better as a whole than I think the linebacker depth and the tight end group will be with the guys we have. Does right. that make sense? I guess in my mind, just taking the Jaguars over the top interior offensive line. It would be huge. I think that could cover up everything. But I think the improvement that they'll make is going to be a bigger jump for them as a group than you the two. You could be right about two. that. You, you absolutely That's why be. I'm putting them at number three. Because yeah. I feel like they're right in the middle like where they really should be, probably busting into one or two. But I'm just looking at positions that yeah. right now aren't, don't suck, but they're just like, Really bone thin. 
Um, number four is going to be receiver. I think we got to have another playmaker. You got to have a dude at receiver. And then number five, I'm going to put safeties. I don't think we need a starting safety necessarily. Church yeah. isn't going to be here forever. Yeah, but you got Wilson. I thought him. about I love yeah, Jerry Wilson. But I, would I mean, he had to play last year, and he had to play at free safety, and he did well. He did. And I, he, a made, he made a really good play against um, uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I think it was I mean, huge play. And I'm not knocking any of these guys. I just think if you get a dude who can play safety and maybe even a rookie that can grow into a position, because I think there's going to be some safeties dropping this year, that because of how deep the receiver yeah, dude, and some of the, the line this draft in general, I think is insanely deep. Yeah, at a lot of positions, and I it's really do. If I'm gonna, I got to do a five B. Punter. So I'm Brad Norman punter. wasn't the most consistent punter for the Jaguars last year, but he made some incredibly clutch kicks. Yeah. He also I cost have, the Jaguars the game against the Rams. I have no issue with yeah. Brad Norman. It's the fact that the amount of money you're going to pay him, yeah, you can go get a rookie, you can go get somebody to do the same job. Yeah. And that's the tough job about being a punter or a kicker in the NFL. Or a long snapper. Yeah, we were always somebody cheaper. Speaking of long snapper, I am very much on board. I think Carson Tinker's back. He's an yeah, emotional yeah, team leader. Absolutely. He's he cheap. Uh, you know, his initial replacement also went to IR. Yeah, Matt Overton. Yeah, I think you got to bring him back. I agree. But I think we love you, Carson. Punter is going to be big because I think you can go. You can go get a guy. Yeah, you can go get a Josh Lambeau at punter. I just don't think it's hey, enough. Just take. Just have I mean, Josh, what, Josh Norman punter. is going to be getting paid what, like three million dollars. I don't know his cap figure. It's pretty. It's pretty significant for a punter. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when you sign somebody in free agency, you're going to pay a little bit more than you would otherwise. Let's see what his cap number is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't hate that. I, I wouldn't be mad if they replaced him, but I do think he's done some great things. There's well, there's no doubt. But so did Scobie. But at a certain point, you got to find a younger guy. And, I mean, Norman is only 28. It's not like he's a 30-plus guy. Yeah. But. And that, I mean, my uh, that list is it's so interchangeable. I feel like you could put guards to two or guards to one. Like, yeah. I, if I'm just judging on right now, if we got a... So his... Sorry. His cap hits 2.375 mil. That's a good amount for a punter. I mean, you get rid of that, you're paying a guy probably the you know, being, league minimum. Being an offensive minimum. coach... Paying a guy two and a half million dollars to give the ball away is. <laughs> I mean, if you're willing, I hate it. if you're willing to part ways with Chris Ivory, I've never thought about it. No, but for yeah. three point six. Yeah, but he gives the ball away too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's my point. Like, <laughs> if you're willing to save the money to cut a guy, that's a running back. If for three point six, yeah. I would think you would be willing to cut a guy at punter, a much less valuable position in most people's eyes. At 2.375. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, like, getting rid of Norman could end up being the difference between keeping a Colvin and a Robinson. I mean, it probably won't be, but yeah. it could give you a little more breathing room. Right. And, and again, you know, he, he is literally paid to kick the ball to the other team so they can go score. And that bothers <laughs> We me. could just get it's Matt always, It's always I do think me. that, I mean, and it's not to say that another partner might not have been able to do it, but there were times where he absolutely... Was a key factor in Jaguars winning games. Yeah. No, look, look, just look at Matt. Was the it Bills Matt Turk? No, I'm, I'm looking back to at just how abysmal our punter situation. Uh, well, is we don't there. need to do all that. <laughs> Matt, Go was ahead. it Turk? Yeah, he Matt was Turk. awful. 
Golly. He was awful. But he was also like 50 years old when he was playing with us. <laughs> so for the most part, we agree that guard needs to be upgraded. Yeah. Tight end needs to be upgraded. Mm-hmm. Receiver needs to be upgraded. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of a wash at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, those well, are really... We, we kind of agree linebacker needs depth. And then... Oh, well, y'all, y'all said quarterback. I didn't say quarterback. I think, I think quarterback that. needs to be upgraded. Yeah, I, I do think it's time probably for Henny to go, and I really do think Henny won't be here next year. I hope um, you're right. I, I think they're going to draft a guy, and there's no way you draft a QB in the rounds that they're going to draft a QB and cut him. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's go ahead and get into our combine, NFL oh combine again, on field workouts start Friday. With the offensive line, running back, special teams, Saturday you've got quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Sunday, defensive line and linebackers. And Monday they wrap it up with defensive backs. We're going to give five guys to watch at the Combine this weekend. You can watch everything on NFL Network. I'm going to go ahead and start because I'm really excited about this guy. And I wasn't as excited about him until recently. Because I love this wide receiver class. Oh, he does. I absolutely love this wide receiver class. I watched like every highlight before you got there. <laughs> I think it's... I don't know how to... Com- I'm not going to compare it to another class. But I think this is a great receiver class. Yeah. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to make a lot of plays in the NFL from this receiver mm-hmm. class. Deion Kane, Clemson wide receiver. six foot one, 210 pounds. 21 years old. This is a guy that is a fluid runner. He's a fluid athlete. He just can make every move you want from a wide receiver on the football field. He looks bigger than 6'1 when he plays, honestly. He wins tons of jump balls. Most of his routes in college were nine routes, screens, things like that, which obviously the Jaguars do run a lot of those. But Kane will have to develop as a, as a route runner. You can say that about just about every receiver that comes out of the end of the draft, especially this year. But the things that he does well make me think he's going to be an exceptional player. And what he does well is control his body. Uh, he tracks the ball well. He runs really well. He's quick. He's physical, 210 pounds. He's a guy that can you know, really play very physically through press coverage and through you know, hand fighting and things like that throughout his routes. I think he's a guy that if you pair with Allen Robinson, you've now got two guys that you can beat defenses with deep, at least. I mean, Keelan Cole can do that as well. But you've got two big guys that can go up and win jump balls against defenses. Deion Kane's definitely faster than Allen Robinson. Uh, And he's just an impressive player, in my opinion. What I want to see is the fluidity of his football play translate to three-cone drills and translate to uh, his agility. And I want to see some explosion. I would like to see him run fast. I would like to see him have a really nice vertical. Uh, And those things would really... Also, just catching the ball in his routes. Uh, His weaknesses, if you're going to give him some weaknesses, is just focus. He drops some passes he shouldn't drop, but then he catches the hardest hardest, uh, passes to catch out there. So it's one of those things where I think it's focus because he's also had some... Stupid penalties called on him throughout his career. So, Deion Kane, Clemson wide receiver, would love for the Jaguars to target him in the second round if they haven't already addressed receiver. Let's move on. What do you got? I uh, started off... Why are we chuckling over here? Oh, no. It'll get into one of my later picks. All right. 
Um, I went wide receiver, starting off um, a guy out of SMU, Cortland Sutton. Yep. Um, man, he just looks good playing football. I mean, so fluid, just a big body. Yeah, he's a real big body. Yeah, he's about 6'4", 6'5". I want to see exactly how athletic this guy is. I want to see what what his numbers show because it can be deceiving seeing such a big guy move around the field like that. For me, it's always been hard to get a grip on just what, when you get down to the numbers, how fast is this guy, how agile is he? Because playing at SMU, he's just going out and throwing his weight around and dominating people. He's better than the people he's playing against. Yeah. So I, what I, happens when he has to play people of his own caliber? And, and I want to see exactly, just figure out how how can he use that big frame of his to to progress and use functional speed, athleticism, all that to beat an NFL defense. And this weekend will be huge for yeah, him. You'll get to see some athleticism and see if he's oh, yeah. got it for sure. Hunter, where are you starting off? I'll go ahead and start off with my... It's a, it's a twofer. It's one position, but it's like two guys that are at the same school. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw what we talked about earlier. Okay. Anthony Averett and uh, Bo Levi-Wallace from Alabama. I was going to guess that he was going to do Alabama. You know, I, I had to because we're talking about nickel corners. They're not going to be number one or two corners. It's just not... They're not there yet, but they're both nickel style, very quick. Uh, twitchy corners. They're really, you know, physical corners, which is also what you want at nickel. And they're good at attacking the ball. So that's three things that are just big for the nickel position, especially with planning as tight ends and slots. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and throw them out there. I just want to see if they're, if they have the top end speed, and if they're gonna be physical enough and strong enough when it comes to like the bench we'll and stuff like that. Bench press. Yep. Yeah. All right. It's, it's really important. So. <laughs> I like it. Now I'm gonna. I want to see the bench press for this next guy, too, I have on my list. Billy Price, Ohio State center. I think he can also play guard, so interchange him there. Six foot four, 312 pounds. He plays with a mean streak. He's one of those dog-type guys that I was talking about earlier that I would like to see on the offensive, or offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Have that real just nastiness to him. I mean, Jalen... and. Deion Kane, for that matter, is also that way. Yeah. When he makes a play on you, he stares your ass down. He's just got that alpha dog mentality. Both of these guys do. And I would like to see some more aggression on the offensive side of the ball from the Jaguars. Price projects as a first or second round pick. Uh, he's really athletic, really strong. Uh, the NFL.com analyst believes he might push for 40 on the bench press. That's a lot. And also run better than the rest of the centers and guards. So, just an impressive kid uh, that if the Jaguars want to stir up that interior offensive line, he might be the guy in the first or the second round. Yeah, I have um, my next guy is uh, Dallas Goder. I think that's Goder. 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 I had the French pronunciation. Goder. Goder, yeah. Um, Shocker, I didn't watch a lot of. San Diego, or was it San Diego? South Dakota State. State. You didn't watch the <laughs> um, pretty good. I didn't see a lot of him. I want to see what the hype is about. Um, I want to, you know, I've, I want to see exactly. I want to see this guy blow 
the roof off. Yeah. He's supposed to be this super athletic, pass-catching, dominate athlete kind of guy. Well, all right. And you didn't get to see it at the uh, Senior Bowl because he pulled a hammy, but he's supposed to be back for this, ready to go. Let's see. Hey, come on. Yeah, You're with the big dogs now. He's a guy that I would not mind seeing going to the Jaguars in the first round, honestly. Mm. My turn? Yes, sir. I'm going Lamar Jackson. Ooh, there we go. I want to see... Lamar Jacksonville? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I want to see what Lamar Jackson can do in quarterback-specific footwork footwork drills. Mm. We know he can throw the the ball out of the the ballpark. Like, that's not an issue. There's videos of him throwing the ball. He's got that flick of the wrist. The ball just leaves his hand. So that... And you can tell. Like, he could throw the ball 20 yards, you know the ball can go 70. Like, that's not a problem. He's fast. He's athletic. He has all that. Uh, People get into this mindset of, like, he's just another mobile quarterback. That's crazy. Uh, Petrino's offense at Louisville is very, very, very pro style. Yeah, he's run pro style concepts. And that might give him an advantage. Like, some of these other quarterbacks they talk about uh, as being more NFL ready. Who in the the draft has run more pro style concepts than Lamar Jackson? Maybe Josh Rosen, but that's about it. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, they were able to take a true pro-style passing offense. I mean, if they if, if you brought out a playbook of Louisville and you saw the pass concepts, it's going to be the exact same thing you would see in most NFL playbooks. But they were able to put it in a zone read and a lot of a, a spread offense. And Lamar Jackson excelled for the most part. But a lot of the stuff he did in the Gator Bowl, bad footwork, bad throws... I think four or five picks against like Mississippi State. That's not mm-hmm. good. And I want to see what he does when they put him in just a QB drill. There's nobody rushing you, but what can your feet do? Because your feet are never going to lie. Like I can, you can watch a guy's feet, and if he's got bad feet when no one's rushing him, it's going to be worse when someone's rushing him. So let's see what he can do. Not on a ladder. I don't want to see you, you know, doing your little shuffle steps. And I mean, your we know he's got quick feet. Yeah, he's an athlete. Yeah, but. Quick feet doesn't necessarily proper footwork in the pocket. Aaron Rodgers ain't yeah. no athlete, but his footwork in the pocket's <laughs> second to none. Right. So let's see what he can do there, and I think that will help his draft stock tremendously. I like it. So I'm going back to my number one position of need, Will Hernandez. We've talked about this guy. He was a darling at the uh, Senior Bowl. He's gotten a lot of hype. He's out of UTEP, six foot two, three hundred forty-eight pounds. The apparently, the guy, apparently he can move around that weight pretty well. Too. Right, that and that's what I want to see from him at the combine. Does he move the way we want him to? Because the Jaguars, they like to get their guards to the second level a little bit. Mm-hmm. They run the zone concepts. Can he fit into a zone scheme? And all accounts say he can, but let's see it at the combine. Yeah, I got my next guy is going to be. A play, uh, an announcer's worst nightmare. Uh oh. Ogbenaya Okoronkwo. Okay. Uh, these next few guys are just going to be guys I kind of like. I want right. to see. Let's tell us about You know, he's a lot. He's a defensive end out of Oklahoma. It's not an offseason or a draft prep. Wait, I, don't... I thought you said guys you like. <laughs> you just said a defensive end out of Oklahoma. As I've said on the podcast in the past, <laughs> it's often guys who I hate out of Oklahoma. Boomer who Sooner. are kind of good, and I kind of secretly like them because yeah. I think they're going to be good football players. Um, he's a lot in the mold of um, of an, uh, Unique Ngakwe. 
Um, 6'1", 240, a bit of an undersized guy, but put up huge numbers, um, just terrorizing tackles. Um, he's a guy you can get later on where if he falls to fifth, sixth round, and he's sitting there, the value might be too good to pass up. Yeah, and um, then you have Dante Fowler's replacement if you don't want to sign him. Yeah. So it's 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 a guy who, once again, an Oklahoma player I hate, who turns around and he's actually pretty good. <laughs> I like it. I'm yeah. going win from uh, from Georgia. Isaiah Win, the guard. Yes. Yeah. I, I think he He's looking like he's going in the first round now too. I, he might be, but I want to see how athletic he really is because he's a big body too. He's right, right up there with the, the Hernandez. Plays tackle in college, yeah. and he's big. I there's mean, he's a, like wide. There's, there's a lot of concerns about how he's going to perform, but you know he could if he doesn't perform that well. You kind of already knew that because yeah. he's you. You can watch him play, and it's it's functional. You know he's able to use his body and yes, and, but and that's. That's why I want to see him. I want to see him in yeah. agility because he. I mean, he's like. There's linemen that are big, and then there's like guys <laughs> like this. Like they're just they're huge. Like yeah. everything about them. But he's he's gonna be nasty. He's a Georgia offensive lineman. He's downhill running the ball. We we're really gonna go forward and let Chubb and let Sony Michelle do the, the work. Yeah, I and think when if if he's a guy that's. The, the Jaguars get, and you put him next to Cam Robinson, I think you're just looking at a mammoth left side of your offensive line. And a kind of very phys- yeah, very physical, nasty. Like, that's what they did for ultra their talented. entire career. Yeah, like, oh. ultra-talented left side of your offensive line. And it's really hard to find that nowadays. Like, people say, like, oh, he's got a nasty side. No, no, there's a difference between having a nasty side and literally everything you did in college was being nasty. Yeah. And that's what the Georges of the world bring because that's what they are so focused on. Like They're trying to beat you physically before they even beat you on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see how athletic he is because of the offensive style uh, run scheme we have. Yeah, I like it. Now I've got a local kid who's not much of a kid anymore. He'll be 25 before the season starts. Hayden Hurst, South Carolina, tight end. Uh, I just think he's a guy that really intrigues me, but I would like to see how his athleticism tests. He looks athletic, but he also looks like maybe not as ultra-athletic as Dallas Goder. Mm-hmm. Can he go out and prove that he is as fast and can jump as high? Uh, if he can do that type of stuff at 6'5", 250, with you know, just freakish hands that catch everything across the middle, you see him going across the middle all the time which is what you want to see in Jacksonville. Uh, and I also think he's a guy that's strong enough to hold up the point of attack trying to block. So I want to see him, can he uh, put up some numbers in that bench press? So I'm excited to see him. And he's a guy I think the Jaguars could target in the first or second round. Yeah, my next guy is going to be a guy that you're very familiar with. Um, out of Florida, Duke mm-hmm. Dawson. Um, he's going to be a kind of guy where he could be... A Colvin replacement. Yeah, and he's a guy that people thought two years ago was going to be a surefire first-round pick. Yeah. And now he's dropped into the range of talking about third to fourth round. And and athletic, just pure speed, agility is kind of a question on him. So we'll see. You know he's physical. You know, you want to... also know he's fluid. Yeah. He's got the fluidity of uh, turning his hips mm-hmm. and stuff. 
But yeah, straight line speed maybe. We'll see. We'll see. He needs. It's going to be a big weekend for him. Um, I want to see. And like a lot of these guys, it's not necessarily let's go watch the guys wow us. It's let's see if these guys can really improve upon what their what their knocks are that people have on them. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And I I think this is a talented cornerback class, and I think if it was less talented, Duke Dawson might be looking at like a second-round pick. Yeah. But we'll see. You got anybody else for us, Hunter? Yep, I got a... Uh... Well, are we on the fourth guy or the fifth guy? Or that was my fourth. You yeah, we. This, this is, is your, your fifth. fourth guy. This is my fourth. Okay. Well, it's his fifth because he, he did two on the first one. That was yeah. one position. <laughs> okay. It's your fourth. I'm going. Uh, okay. I'm going Kyle Lauletta, Lauletta, whatever from Richmond. Quarterback. Want, yeah, I mean, he did really good in the. He did fairly well on the, the Senior Bowl. I just mm-hmm. want to see what he does again with a bunch of just dudes. I mean, this is the best that college football has to offer. And he's a guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's known for having good footwork and good mm-hmm. throwing motion. So, like, what do you want to see from him? I want to see him go out and take that his good footwork and his good throwing motion and be able to catch up with the speed he's going to see. Mm. He's going to go out and be thrown with the, you know, the the Washington James Washingtons, the the Calvin Ridleys, the DJ Charles, the De- yeah, Deion Kane. These are the best of the best. I mean. He's going to be thrown to guys that have national championship rings and SEC championship rings and ACC championship, Big and 12. I, like, <laughs> these aren't just Richmond receivers. Like, there's, that's not a knock on Richmond, but there's a difference between a Richmond receiver and like a and SEC, would, ACC receiver. And I would and love I, it if he was just sandwiched between, okay, you got Rosenberg. That's, that's another thing. And then like, you got Darnold is, right after him. What does he look like on the field yeah, like, yeah. compared to those types of guys? Yeah. I mean, the FCS to FBS jump's not huge. But at the same time, there's a physical presence of an FBS player. I don't know if you've ever like really stood next to an FBS team, but I mean, even we stood walked, next to Mercedes Lewis and Gilles Campbell. But like we were even at we were at Georgia Southern last year, and you just walk on the field next to these dudes, and they are just I mean, they are physical specimens. They are put together so well, yeah. and it's impressive. And that's the difference I think from the FCS because the the money they could pump into the program. So I want to see him standing next to. Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold and these big, big names. And I want to see him perform in front of everybody. Yeah. Throwing to people. He has no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. This is the first time he's thrown to them. I want to see him do it. And I want to see him do it on a stage that's bigger than he is. Yeah. You know, I, but I don't want him to feel like that. So that's what I'm in, I want to see. Yeah, that'd be... I mean, he's a really interesting prospect. Third, fourth round you're looking at, maybe. Maybe he's fifth like round. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, version two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the comparison you're seeing a lot, and we'll see if this is another step in the right direction for him. My last guy is actually the guy I'm most excited about. He's a wide receiver. I love wide receivers. And I just... Saying this, I feel like an idiot. But he looks like Antonio Brown to me. Straight up. 5'11", 190 pounds. They're practically the same stature. Anthony Miller, wide receiver, Memphis. Yeah. Uh, this kid, perfect body control. Amazing agility. His twitchiness, agility, his fluidity. He fantastic. went off against UCF, didn't he? Is that the same he kid? He went off against everybody. But that was the same kid yeah. that like went off on Didn't he break UCF? some records? Uh, I don't know about his record breaking. I'm not like a huge stat guy when it comes to looking at college prospects. I did watch a game. I can't remember who he was playing against where he scored four or five touchdowns. Uh, And each of them was more impressive than the last. 
what strikes you about Antonio Brown on the football field is his ability to control his body and play with strength against players that are bigger than him and stronger than him. And that's what Anthony Miller brings to the table. He literally, if you took off his jersey and put an Antonio Brown jersey on him, you would think you were watching Antonio Brown. They both are incredibly shifty. They both can return the ball. They both have amazing body control and make catches in the end zone specifically that most guys should not be making. He went 14 of one night for 195 and three touchdowns against UCF. He did a lot more than that in another game. In the American Athletic Conference Championship. Right. And what you want to see. Recognize him from. He's done this, again, at a little bit of a lower level than some other guys. I think he might not have as much pure straight line speed as Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. I think he has everything else to his game that Antonio Brown has. And if you're talking about a guy like Anthony Miller being available in the third round. Yeah. I think you're crazy to pass on him because not only does he have all these skill sets, skill traits that Antonio Brown also has, walk on, mm-hmm. massive chip on his shoulder, Little, yeah, massive chip. Gotta love that. And Antonio Brown's that same dog. Yeah. I, I just think there's too many similarities to pass on this guy if he lasts for a while. And I think the only big difference you might see is straight line speed. And that's why I'm really excited and nervous to see what he does in the 40. Because I know he's going to kill the three cone yeah. and all the quickness and all that. So, anyways. Scoot? Yeah, my last guy is a guy who... I just want to root for him. I just I just hope he does good. Um, and he's in a bit of the Telvin Smith mold. He's about 220. He's a linebacker. Played inside at South Carolina. Not sure he's really going to be able to make the transition, but we'll see. Um, Sky Moore. Every time I turn on a South Carolina game, he was his name was all over the place. Now he he was injured most of this last year. Okay. Um, so we'll see. And you know that can, can play work. into teams and players' benefits because you know they don't get drafted too high. They end up getting into the right fit. Mm-hmm. But Smith. I just I was looking through the combine participants and I saw this guy and I'm like, I'm just rooting for this guy. He's 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 so he's so athletic. And so what do we need to see from him? Let's see Strength. what kind of work he's been putting in. Yeah, you want to see him on the bench press because he's he's not as he doesn't look as slight as Telvin Smith, but he's much more of. Instead of taking on the blocks, he's very elusive at evading them. Okay. Um, he doesn't necessarily lose use strength as much as he does agility to beat blocks and get involved in the run game. But let's see. I want to see what he weighs in at. I haven't actually gotten to see what his numbers are. But I, I'm just rooting for the guy. I like it. My last Mr. one Evans, has let's wrap it up. nothing to do with the Jaguars, really. It's just we're talking about combine. Anybody from Jacksonville, you know, okay. we get. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure Kevin Tolliver's there from Trinity. You got Marcus <laughs> Marquise yeah. Haynes from UC, uh, Jeff Holland from Trinity. Uh, you know, Hayden Hurst from, is from Bowles. I love to see Jacksonville kids, especially kids that I got to see play in high school. I remember seeing Kevin, Kevin Tolliver play. I remember seeing Marquise Haynes play, and all these dudes. And it's just crazy. Like I, I coached against Demarcus Walker. Like. 
those that transition is just cool to watch. I want to see them do it on the big stage. It's really cool. Like Jacksonville, I think in the last five years, and you know, really beyond that, there's there's always been talent from Jacksonville. I think there's more elite talent from Jacksonville than there ever yeah. has been. Yeah, and for me, this guys I mean, getting D one. I mean, I see it on a, a personal level. I guess yeah. I get a coach against these guys. I really I meet a lot of them, and then you see them go and do big things in college. And then they go do things in the NFL. It's just like, shit. <laughs> like, not that long ago, you were just some like little freshman or sophomore. Like, I remember seeing Der- Derrick Henry as a sophomore getting off the bus. Thought he was a coach, and he took his shirt off. I was like, that's kind of weird that a coach can take his shirt off. <laughs> but you know, like, you see them, and Maybe they're that's how they do sixteen-year-old kids, and then all of a sudden now they're making millions of dollars at the absolute peak level of pretty much the world like they are the top athletes in the world yeah and it's just cool to see so that's has nothing to do with the jaguars but if you're from it jacksonville could, I mean, yeah, you never could. but if you're from jacksonville you'd be foolish not to see not to be like okay let's watch what this kid that went to school right down the road for me i think you know? on like a common sports fan level i think there's a lack of awareness of just how great jacksonville talent is mm-hmm. yeah and I, mean, I think it's good that we're talking about it. I, I mean, I'm happy about it. The professional that. basketball, professional. I mean, we have a guy on the Heat that just got signed from, I think, ACD. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like, baseball is huge. There's a t- so I mean, Ben yeah. Gamble's killing it up in Seattle. Hell so it's, yeah. it's cool to see people that you don't even realize are from your hometown doing so well. So that's why. I mean, Ben Gamble, we all went to school. Well, yeah, yeah that's, so. that's a little different. I guess. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, I mean, I guess we would have gone to school. Hayden Hurst would have been right behind us at Bowles. So. Yeah. It's, you got to appreciate it a little bit. Take a little pride in your city. No doubt about it. It is Duval till we die. So That's right. Might as well Duval. represent. I could yell that all day. I know. Day. It's amazing. That's going to wrap it up for our show. We've been recording for an hour and 35 minutes here. Woo. Had a hell of a time. I uh, wish we could keep talking about more prospects, but, you know, we're going to have to move on and save that for next week. We really appreciate everyone for listening. We really appreciate Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. Uh, you can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. Make sure to follow our resident Texas Longhorns fan, Scott Klein, on Twitter, at scottkline one Follow our resident Alabama fan and uh, college, I mean, excuse me, high school (laughs) football coach. College football coach one day. Maybe. Hunter Evans, at Coach H underscore Evans. You can follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. Make sure to check out GenJag.com for all the latest news, analysis, updates, podcasts, videos. UCF Jaguar is pumping out great video content on the website. Make sure to follow him, at UCF underscore Jaguar on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud, please, if you're on SoundCloud. Review us on iTunes. That is huge for us. The more iTunes reviews we get, the higher we get bumped up in the podcast ratings, the more people listen to us, and, uh, you know, it goes on and on. Check out our shop, genjag.com. We have lots of gear. We have stuff, tons, on, tons of stuff on sale right now. Uh, we've got Lockdown the Bank t-shirts on sale, Division Champs, Jackson 5, some other fun stuff. We've got 904 hats back up on the website. There's still a few available at a discounted price if you use the promo code 904-2 at checkout. So make sure to go look at genjag.com for all our apparel. 
And uh, that's going to do it for the show. We hope everybody has a great weekend. Please watch the Combine. Be informed. Don't be an ignorant fan. You have the ability to be informed. Especially nowadays, like in the social media day. There are so many sources to make yourself more informed. Please be informed. Do not come at me telling me safety is the number one need for the Jaguar <laughs> ever again. Please. That's going to do it for this show. We appreciate you, Duval. Even if you're an ignorant fan and you listen to us, we still love you. Really appreciate all the support. Again, please review us on iTunes if you can. Follow Scott Klein at Scott Klein one Hunter at Coach H underscore Evans. And thanks for listening. Again, have a great weekend. Watch the Combine. Take it in. Pay attention. And uh, above all else, go Jaguars. That's going to do it for the show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.